our studio, separate studios, but I have a series of questions for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the well, podcast, by the way. Welcome well, to okay. the Pink of the Glass Onion. <laughs> Let me Jane, lean in. Why? Why don't we do it in the road? <laughs> well, why don't we do it in the road? Why don't we do it in the road? No one will be watching us. Because why? socially it's inappropriate, <laughs> Billy. That's why we don't. <laughs> and my last thing is thoughts. <laughs> not, not necessarily Paul's greatest lyric, but it's definitely effective. <laughs> That's my big open. <laughs> this was... Uh, <laughs> Just a series of questions for you. I put as much effort into the intro as Paul did into writing the song. <laughs> hmm, what drugs were we on at this point? <laughs> Cocaine. Um, was that the thought, drug of choice at this point? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure at the White Album time, Paul was uh, utilizing uh, cocaine. Yeah, his uh, nose got really him- weird looking. In that period, it definitely. Did. I, I just, I've always wondered what what was going on there. And now I'm I know. Pretty sure it was as JJ Kale said, cocaine. Um, let's start with opening thoughts a on this Kale song. song. Wow, yeah, it's a great JJ Kale song. I learn stuff every episode, buddy. It's cool. Uh, this, speaking of which, our non-sponsored Waterloo plug here. Hey, nice, nice. Blueberry choice today. Oh, yeah. What do you have in the coffee cup there? Oh, uh, you know, it's uh, some douchey mushroom-infused <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Out of a Bed Bath & Beyond cup made in China. Hi. Hi. What, uh, what are your first memories of hearing here oh, in this I little day? <laughs> no, you leave that in. I like it. <laughs> mm. I haven't even been drinking yet. <laughs> it was the opening questions. They were just so thought provoking. <laughs> Let me try them again. Ready? See? Yeah. Hey Jay, why don't we do it in the road? No one will Mon- be watching us. Why don't we do it in the road? Thoughts? Monkeys do. <laughs> Evidently, monkeys do. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the first time you heard this song. You remember oh, hearing this one? So I think the White Album was the second album I ever bought. Oh yeah, which would have been CD in, or album? Oh, it was album. This Tape? was this album. was pre CDs. I'm I'm that age. Yeah. So it was uh, yeah. Rubber Soul was the first one. White Album was the second one. And so yeah, I uh, it it was not a favorite of mine. This track. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I love the White Album, but yeah, uh, this, <laughs> this track not a favorite. Um, but it, it, yeah, uh, I, I thought it was interesting that John felt or that Paul felt like this was this was a John style that he uh, yeah. that he copped for this. I find that interesting as well. I um, the first CD I ever bought was the White Album. Nice. I remember them. My uncle John had uh, he had the White Album, and I think I was like sixth grade, like the summer of sixth grade. I discovered the White Album, and it blows your mind when you're a little kid because oh, it's like totally. all of these amazing pictures that happen all throughout the White Album. And this was just one that I was like, it seemed dirty. Oh, you know, it was yeah. like the one you go, oh, yeah. oh. I mean, never knew what it meant. Never knew what it was. But hey, that's why we have this podcast. 
<laughs> uh, Paul wrote this song when they were hanging out in India with the Maharishi. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a quote here. I'll, I'll give you some Paul. He says, I was up on the flat roof meditating, and I'd seen a troop of monkeys walking along in the jungle, and a male just hopped on the back of this female and gave her one, as they say in the vernacular. I don't think they say that one anymore. <laughs> Within two or three seconds, he hopped off again and looked around as if to say, it wasn't me. And she looked around as if there had been some mild disturbance and thought, huh, I must have imagined it, and she wandered off. And I thought, bloody hell, <laughs> that puts it all into a cocked hat. <laughs> Jesus, Paul, great choice. <laughs> it's, that puts it all into a cocked hat. That's how simple the act of procreation is, you know. This bloody monkey just hopping on and hopping off. There is an urge, they do it, and it's done with, and it's that simple. We have horrendous problems with it, and yet animals don't. So that was basically it. Why don't we do it in the road? Could have been applied to either fucking or shitting, to put it roughly. I'm quoting here. Mm -hmm. why, don't we, why don't we do either of them in the road? Well, the answer is we're civilized and we don't. But the song was just to pose the, that question. Why don't we do it in the road? Was a primitive statement to do with sex or to do with freedom, really? I like it. It's just so courageous that I like it. Oh, sorry. It's just so outrageous that I like it. I mean, that does kind of make it interesting. It, it when does. When he explains yeah. it like that, right? <laughs> totally, I mean, and right? you can apply it to modern times. It's like, okay, our freedom lets us do, you know, I don't know. Let's go march on Washington because we want to, you know? And it's like, yeah, people kind of just do do it. Yeah. Um, it's an, I think the revolution that was happening in the 60s was obviously the sexual revolution. And maybe, you know, I hate to point it out to Paul, but maybe up until that point, that's kind of how sex worked for dudes. You know what I mean? Hopping on, hopping off, just kind of not really caring what the opposite sex thought. Uh, that has changed in our lifetime, which I'm grateful for, as we both have daughters. Um, but I mean, you kind of see that politics is kind of like this now. It's like, oh, shit, if we can say it, that just must make it true. And why don't we just do it? It is a very primitive thought, and it kind of makes me like the song a little more than I oh, did before. I, I, I mean, much like probably every song we've we've looked at, I mean, I do. I have a weird, newfound appreciation for it. Yeah. It's fun to play. I mean, we've... Right. We haven't played it that often, but we've done it maybe what three times in front of people. Yeah, less than five for sure. Yeah. Um, but every time people get off on it. I know. You know? I know. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Don't prejudge this one. Uh, we'll get down to it. So this song uh, was recorded nine October nineteen sixty eight. Ten October nineteen sixty. I believe nine October is John Lennon's birthday. Yeah. Uh, Paul produces this one. In mm -hmm. our book, Revolution of the Head, which there's like three sentences about this song. <laughs> yeah, there's slim pickings <laughs> on this one. And there's a slim pickings. Uh, Paul produces this record, which I, I, this track, which I think is very interesting, and we'll talk about it more. And Ken Townsend is his engineer. So on the 9th of October, Paul just essentially grabs his acoustic. He has this song, has uh, Ken Townsend just kind of run, run tape on it and records the song. You can hear it on the anthology without Ringo. The Just Paul version, and mm -hmm. it really sounds like McCartney, the, the, his first album, and McCartney 3, his most recent album. If This song would really work on McCartney 3, which I think is interesting, because that's how he recorded that whole record, just him in a room and an engineer rolling tape. This is really kind of the first time... I mean, yesterday was him with a string quartet, but this is him 
this is like the first time you get solo Paul, and I think that makes it kind of cool too. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me about it. That's got to be that Martin that he, he plays on Blackbird. Is that what he's jamming on this? I think that's the that's his guitar choice at this point on the acoustic. Yeah, like for Mother Nature, Son, yeah. Blackbird, this song. It uses it a little <coughs> different on this one because it opens. Hang on, let me grab the guitar. And you can really hear it on the, uh, the for on the anthology version where it's just him. He's just kind of like. Yeah, playing the back of it. Just playing the back of it. And then he's like. Why don't we do it in the ru-? And it's just a really simple little blues song. Uh, but it's cool, though. It is cool. Right, so what are the what are the different things that he's doing on this one here? Uh, he's, I mean, yeah, he's playing. He's pounding the back of it. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't really hear the acoustic throughout the rest of the song. I mean, no. it's really just like a percussion instrument at the beginning. May- yeah. And then I... I, because I just I went through and listened to it. I don't I don't hear it after the intro. Um, yeah, it's cool though. You know, he's yeah. he's playing he's playing a little. Uh, you know, it's kind of a blues progression. You know, uh, there's piano in there. He puts the bass on. There's hand claps. Very important hand claps in there. Yeah, although the hand claps yeah. didn't make the mono version. Really? Yeah, I just yeah, I just was listening to that this morning, and I'm like, no way. They, yeah, they left him cool. out. I didn't, yeah. Um, the next the next day, he adds Ringo in. And yeah. That's where you get that intro, which is it, we'll talk about when you're playing it live. That's definitely the trickiest part of the oh, song. No is doubt. How to freaking start it? You know, because Ringo does a great and it just takes off. Um, yeah. Which again, when Paul is just Paul producing himself on his McCartney records. That's his drum sound, that Ringo, you know, drum. I mean, it sounds like, it, it really does sound like it could be on McCartney, any of the solo McCartney records. Um, this pisses John and George off. I know. <laughs> They're a little pissed off that, first of all, Paul did this on his own. And then Ringo comes in, and it's really just a Ringo and uh, Paul track. But, I mean, we'll talk about that a little more, but I... I mean, they were doing the same thing. The reason they weren't in the session is because I think John was doing the strings on Glass Onion. And then George was also because they were also doing Piggies. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like this was new for them. You know what I mean? This is They were doing something else. And Paul's like, well, I'm not going to waste the time. I've got this song. And uh, I mean, that's kind of that's what makes the White Album unique, that tension and that kind of push and pull that you kind of in these little instances see. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that. I was, it was, it was interesting reading about that, that, uh, that John was pissed off and, and this is another song where John was like, he thought he could have sung it better and resented being left out, yeah. you know, where Paul's like, well, uh, revolution number nine, you know? Right. So, so Julia. Paul, yeah, Paul felt like, you know, he was retaliating a little bit, you know, but but also, yeah, it's like Paul's not one to sit around. Like right. he's like We see that now. Exactly. Totally. He's, he, yeah, he's not really a just chill out kind of guy. <laughs> totally. Especially when cocaine s- was in the equation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. I respect that so much. I mean, I think that's awesome. So, uh yeah, but it's interesting and I was thinking about like the, you know, Bono said something about the Beatles once, which has always stuck in my head, especially about this period. And he, and he talks about how they disappeared up their ass. And I think that's 
really appropriate right here because, I mean, you think about like, <clears throat> you know, they they had to become so isolated because it was impossible for them really to probably go out and be social in any sort of right. way that that you and I take for granted, you know? Right. And couple that with a fair amount of drug use, and there's a paranoia that that set in around them, you know, that is really telling in the responses to, you know, John being pissed off about this, Paul yeah. being, you know, it's like, wow. I understand how they went, how they broke up, you know, because of Yeah, you of see these... why this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, yeah. Drugs anyway, definitely I know had to play. No, that's great. I mean, and I, 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 wrote, I wrote down what they said. So I'll quote John here. John says, that's Paul. This is in that... Uh, the Playboy interview, where mm -hmm. he pretty much pans all the songs we love. Uh, John says, that's Paul. He even recorded it by himself in another room. That's, that's how it was getting in those days. We came in, and he'd made the whole record. Him drumming, not totally true. Him playing the piano, him singing, but he couldn't. He couldn't. Maybe he couldn't make the break from the Beatles. I don't know what it was, you know. I enjoyed the track. Still, I can't speak for George, but I was always hurt when Paul would knock something off without involving us, but that's the way it was then. It's like, oh, you weren't doing the same thing? Right, yeah. Uh, Ringo chimes in and says, uh, the ballad of John and Yoko was just John and Paul, as right. was You Know My Name, Look Up the Number. And he says, why don't we do it on the road? It was just Paul and me. And it went out as a Beatle track, too. We had no problems with that. Yeah, Ringo's always the, the middle <laughs> child. <laughs> you know, Switzerland. Totally. <laughs> uh, but I, and as, as Paul says, he's like, he went off and made Revolution, I'm without me. No one ever says that. John's the nice guy and I'm the bastard. It gets I repeated saw... all the time. It's like, damn, guys. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't agree with. I don't, I don't think John's always seen as the nice guy. Not, an, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I think Paul's really polished his image up over the years, and John's has been tarnished just by facts coming out, etc. True. Yeah. Good one. All right, let's see. <clears throat> John thought he could sing this song. Yeah. And he thought he would, he would do a better job. So... And we know that Paul, as, as he mentioned, this is kind of a knockoff John song. I was thinking there are several of those that Paul kind of points out. In his solo career, Let Me Roll It is supposed to be a John-esque song. Oh, okay. Um, Monkberry Moon Delight off of the Ram album is a very John song. Oh, Darling, kind of a John song. Totally. Why don't we do it on the road? I narrowed it down to those four. Which one do you think's the best? <laughs> the best John song out of those? Let Me Roll It, Monkberry Moon Delight. Oh, darling, why don't we do it on the road? Oh, I think it's so darling. Yeah, I think so, too. I would have really... You said, I think when we talked about it, you mentioned that there is a recording somewhere of John singing Oh, Darling. Did I say that? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I made that up. Maybe I read it. Listen, if you're listening and you know where that is, send that to us. If, if, there, if one does exist, because I'd love to hear it. I, oh, mean, I would, too. Did Maybe no. I think Matt said that. Didn't Matt have a recording of it? It might have been. It might yeah. be my brother Ma well, Matthew. If you're listening, yeah, please. I don't Shout remember out. when we did it. <laughs> All right, deep dive. What'd you find in there? There's not a lot on this no. song. No, there's not much. <laughs> uh, Found a couple things. Not a lot. Blake Edwards film ten references. There goes mine. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it, this is mentioned in the in the movie Ten as the epitome of adolescent anti-romance. Have you ever I seen that movie? You, yeah, I've never seen. That I mean, movie. I know that Bo Derek's in it. Right, that's yeah, all I know. That's about. about <laughs> uh, there are thirty-four bars of the twelve-bar blues in this song. Wow. All right. Okay. That's that. How's that for a deep dive? Uh, a minor relic of the Let It All Hang Out era, it's been referred to. Mm-hmm. And I, I was going to, in my deep dive, I was going into how John felt about the song, which it's it's tough. I mean, it's, I think like you said, John was on heroin, Paul's on cocaine, Yoko's in the studio, Paul wants to leave. It's It's got to be a rough time for them. And this uh, definitely highlights that. Yeah. Rolling Stones, top 100 songs. Guess what? Not in there. I, I was the going to say, I, was, I, would, I would be shocked if it was in the top 100. So I found Vulture online, which Vulture does a lot of different rankings, and they rank all of the Beatles songs in order, okay. which I thought was all 200 plus. So this one is number 136. I like to mm. show you the sandwich. So 137 is The Word from Rubber Soul. They say, Rubber Soul is the band's first mature album, sound-wise, song-wise, vocal-wise, sophistication-wise. It was all a clear step up from the best songs on Help. This is a less interesting blaring track. I like their take, however. Mm-hmm. So then Why Don't We Do It in the Road is 136. They say, not to be outdone by Lennon in the throwaway department <laughs> during the White Album sessions, McCartney offered this. It's just as bad as everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Paul shows off some of his funny voices, which he could get away with because aside from a star drum track, he recorded alone, away from the other Beatles. We'll talk about Paul's voice in this one. I forgot that. And then 135 is Birthday. So that's the oh. sandwich there. They said an effective rave up and one that has stood the test of time. But it's still a minor song, one better suited to be a special present to a child rather than a record-buying public, much less leading off the second disc of a two-record set. Now, I know we would disagree with that because that song kills every time we play it. Birthday? Birthday, great live song. Yeah, I'm surprised it's that low, honestly. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. so that's Vulture. Uh, their top five, which I thought was interesting. I think you'd agree with this. Their top five best Beatles songs. Number five, Please Please Me. Four, She Loves You. Three, Penny Lane. Two, Strawberry Fields Forever. And one, A Day in the Life. I think mm. that's kind of a yeah. pretty decent consensus. Let's talk about what Paul does singing on this. I thought it's cool because on the anthology version, he starts off really high. Yeah. He starts off, why don't we do it in the road? It's yeah, a real a little nice falsetto. little... Yeah. Yeah, and... and in the recording, we hear that reverse, which again is very clever from Paul. He doesn't change the lyrics; he changes his voice, and I think that's a really cool, that's a really cool, simple thing to do. But it's very effective, and it makes the kind of raucous, I like that word, a very raucous. I think I could spell it too. A very raucous effect to the song as it builds, and he just gets crazier, and you hear this like perfect little Paul voice. And he builds into that, Rob, don't be doing in the room, that kind of Lady Madonna voice. And then it's, which is, man, I love that version of Paul's voice. Oh, I do too. So it's like all the the different levels. And that's that's another thing that makes this song cool. Yeah. Rate it and stuff. Yeah. Paul's, you know, Paul's starting to play with his voice. Like, you know, he does it in Rocky Raccoon where he's, you know, affecting the American accent there in the intro, you know. And, and, And I always, I always go back to the the live Wings Over America movie tour 
any stuff from the 76 tour, his voice is never better, in my opinion, no, than 1976. So, so we start hearing that now, you know, he's starting to, you know, where like he's almost doing characters, you know. Paul, yeah. not a great actor, but really right. good at acting within his songs, you know, with how he uses his voice. So I think, yeah, yeah super cool. Where he creates that character and fills in the blank. Like you said, Rocky Raccoon, Maxwell Silverhammer. Even later in his career, uh, he's, he's got songs where he does that too. And now that's kind of what's cool as his voice is going away. He's settled into this like wise old sage, sage voice. And it's like, oh, yeah, I dig it. But, I mean, and again, as these are now historical markers, these albums that they made, you do get to hear his voice again, transitioning into that solo period of Paul, which I think that's probably the coolest thing about this song is that it's, it's showing you what he's going to do, what he's going to be. Yeah. Which is kind of a experimental badass, actually. Totally. Uh, let's talk about playing it live. <laughs> we oh, haven't played I mean, it live a lot. No. Um, it doesn't get requested a lot, but when it does, it typically makes the the set list just because. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun. We dig playing it. Yeah, the intro is super tough if you're going to play this live. So, right. yeah, you got to have the hand claps. And now I think next time we do it, I'll be the. I was never hitting the back of my uh, guitar there. So, yeah, it's a good one. I mean, uh, people kind of give you that look. And I think the fact that that it was uh, Vulture compared it to everybody's got something to hide except it kind of gives the same live reaction. Like the people that are like, holy shit, they're playing this song live. And three fourths of the crowd's like, I've never heard this song. Why are you playing this? Right. Yeah. Right. So it, it has that effect. So, you know, it would work in an acoustic setting, if you will. Sure. Uh, I, I just know that whenever we do it, it's always spontaneous and, uh, People are always shocked when we do it. <laughs> As we slide into the final portion of our, our show here, um, it's time to rate this song. Um, I'm not sure what our lowest rating has been so far, but I'm assuming this isn't going to be in the eights or nines. So please rate and then defend. If you yeah, can. this might be my lowest rating. I'm going to go 5-7. Um, That's fair. You know, I... I Again, playing it live like sort of redeems this song for me because it is fun to play live. I mean, it's yeah. it's cool because he's he's got. I'm pretty sure he's on the casino and he's kind of using a dark little tone, so it's fun to roll the tone off. And you know, he doesn't come in. To, he comes in in this weird spot, like in the middle of the progression. You know, with the right. on the electric. You know, the his bass line like toward the end is super cool. Um, I love Ringo's drum sound. White White Album era Ringo drums are mm. my favorite. I just That's love how his snare right. sounds. I think it's so cool. Um, you know, so there's definitely positives, but I mean, and and it's fun to hear the story about you know he was meditating and saw a couple of monkeys doing it, and that's how he <laughs> came up. With He's like, uh. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's I, cool, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it, there's often the argument about, you know, if the White Album was one album and what would you get rid of? This is certainly one of them for me. Yeah. Um, I love the White Album. It's one of my favorite Beatles records, but I mean, there are four, four plus songs on there that easily could have been taken off. Um, 
And there are others that could have been added to it. I mean, Teddy Boy would have been, uh, that was, I guess, a little later. But I think George was working on Not Guilty at the time. You know, there were some other cool tracks that really could have made it on there. And this is one that, I mean, I have like five least favorite Beatles songs. And I like playing this one live. This isn't one that I choose to listen to a lot. Yeah. And it was cool for this to go back and, oh, man, this is kind of a cool song, but I am going to rate it pretty low. My lowest score, a 4.3. And I really kind of rate it that high simply because it's it's kind of an indicator as to where Paul's going to go solo, which is I yeah. it's going to be. He's going to have a total second and third career, first in Wings and then as a solo artist which he's kind yeah. of consistently been. So Totally. You know, Paul, for a long a time like Paul's solo like he did not reference his Beatle musical life for such a long time as a solo artist and that's 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 amazing to me, you know. He that, that's a that is it is. I mean, and I don't think people realize that. I especially younger people because as, you know, as they've become conscious of modern day happy Paul uh, he has embraced his Beatleism, and that's kind of came after the anthology. But for a Beatle freak like like we were, I can remember that. Period. You know, I was born in '75, so I became conscious of the Beatles late '70s ish. I was probably listening to the Beatles when I was three and four. And Paul, you know, I remember when John Lennon was shot, but Paul was like my favorite Beatle, and he was in hiding essentially. Mm-hmm. Like he did Tug of War, and then he did Give My Regards to Broad Street, which is. Not a great movie, good soundtrack, you know, and he, but he wouldn't even talk about that. He might play a Beatles song every now and then, but it, like on the Wings Over America tour, he did Blackbird and I've Just Seen a Face. But essentially, that's kind of it, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and wouldn't even talk about it. And then when he did, it was like this rewritten, ah, everything's great, it's cheeky, you know, we were fun, we were brothers. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I'm ending with that. It's, uh. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I me- I remember seeing him on the um, Flowers in the Dirt tour, and he played a few Beatles songs, and it was a big that's deal. That's when, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. He did like Fool on the Hill and <clears throat> yeah. some songs he had not done. And yeah, when I saw him on the Off the Ground tour, he might have done four Off the Ground songs, and then the rest were Beatles and Wing songs. And then from then on out, he might give you a track or two. From the new record and the rest of its Beatles. Yeah. Not even Wings necessarily. I mean, he'll do Band on the Run and Jet. Yeah. <laughs> As he says, Jet, and let me roll it. But yeah, it's um, when he embraced it, it was cool for And I think we have Elvis Costello to thank for that. That Flowers in the Dirt record is when Elvis Costello was like, get out the Hoffner. Let's do some Beatle harmonies. Quit being an asshole. Let's, totally. let's do this. And Mac Manus, we are forever in your debt, sir. Yeah. But Paul doesn't play this one live, and I think we know why. Yeah. I think we know. It's not his best song. <laughs> For a, such a great songwriter, it's his most punk rock moment as a Beatle, maybe. <laughs> so, hey, if you're out there listening to us, Jay and I would like to take this opportunity to thank you so much. Indeed. Uh, we watch our numbers grow weekly, and, and for people that are sending us messages, it's effective. This was chosen by one of our younger fans from Australia. So yeah, good totally. We did what and we do it in the road. A couple of koala fucking in the street. <laughs> Giving her the old bangaroo. I don't <laughs> Give it to the old one, two, three Z. What does he say? What is what what, what was his quote? Oh, hang what on. 
I took a picture of that too. It was, it was so funny. <laughs> and he gave her one. Oh, Paul. <laughs> Hopped on the back of this female and gave her one. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, well, he gave her an all row, didn't he? Uh, we also got another request, and I, and I think we should do it. Let's stick with the White Album, Ooh. Jay. For our next one, we're going to do one of our band's personal favorites, and I think it's one that we do really well. Happiness is a warm gun. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Oh. Yeah, that was requested. So keep the... Oh, good time. Great John song. Keep those requests coming. Keep talking to us. I'm at Billy McGuigan on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Jay, any handles you care to share? Nah, I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> nasty. You know how to get there. To you Billy. go. That's you have cool. to. S- yep, you have to search for Jay. That's what makes him cool, baby. <laughs> I'm Uncle Billy, and that's Uncle Jay. <laughs> Just a couple of your Gen X uncles hanging out talking about Beatles songs. Are you a Gen Xer? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. Are you Xer. really? Okay. Yes, yes, I am. All right. Isn't that not great? Maybe. No, it's cool. I, yeah, I, I didn't know if you were. I didn't know if you had, were in the... I'm What's in after there. Gen X? Uh, Gen... Uh, Does Z? it go Gen, Gen y? y? That's Yeah, that's my brother Ryan. I think that's how close it is. I think the line is so... Eh, maybe not. I can't figure out the freaking thing. I'm not a boomer and I'm not a millennial, so whatever right. I am. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... Okay. We ain't boomers cool. and we ain't millennials. We grew up at a time without cell phones. Isn't that great, kids? Isn't that great? It's unimaginable. And now it's the future. We're not even in the same room. Jay isn't even real. <laughs> you heard a Siri? I have a, hey, Jay, let's talk Beatles. And then this happens. Isn't that great? <laughs> so, BillyMcGuigan.com, B-I-L-L-Y-M-C-G-U-I-G-A-N. You can check out all the stuff that we're doing. Jay Hansen, as always, my friend, it has been a pleasure. Right back at you, Billy. What's a new word? Roshis is a new word we use today. And, yeah, I'm going to have to look uh, that up. trying to find what he... <laughs> and he puts it all into a cocked hat, Paul says. A cocked hat. <laughs> he just... A cocked hat. After he gave her one. You keep doing you, Polly. After he <laughs> gave her a good round. So, we've been looking through the glass onion. 